Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, it's 1233 at Edmonton. I just, I have to read this text on our Heartland Ford text line because it really makes me laugh. Uh, actually, there's, there's a couple that come in here. One says, I can finally cheer for the Oilers again when they're wearing orange, now that the other orange is gone. Really? Is that is that kind of what it's come to? Uh, where was the other one? There was one that came in. Um, here it is. Dino Bambino says, Bob, fun fact, the Edmonton Oilers have never won a Stanley Cup under provincial NDP rule, so maybe this is the turning point for the hockey club. Okay. Uh, I don't think they had much to do with it, and I will tell you this. Uh, Rachel Notley, she was an Oilers fan. Absolutely. Wit- witnessed it myself, so I can tell you that for a fact. In my one, uh, what was that skit that the David Letterman brushed with greatness? Yes, when R- Rachel met somebody really great, and it wasn't yours truly. Without further ado, we are pleased to be joined on the line by a guy who played with a guy who was once great, still is great. Craig Simpson joins us. How you doing, Craig? Wait, let me turn that. Bu- hey, what's that button for? Craig, how you doing? I'm good. Can you hear me now? We can. It would help if I had actually turned your, the pot up where the phone was on the board. <laughs> okay. But I'm not a smart man, as you know. Uh, how you doing? Uh, doing great. Just staying fresh as the playoffs uh, get into their second week. Uh, an awful lot happening, though, that's for sure. Yeah, you're obviously working the Maple Leafs Boston series. But before we go there, uh, just your thoughts on uh, Tampa Bay um, going down in four straight to Columbus, and then the the Penguins getting um, taken out by the Islanders four in a row as well. Yeah, you never know what to expect. Do you? I, I think uh, starting with the Penguins, it's it's just another continuation of the regular season for the Islanders. Just uh, tight defensive hockey, not giving you much, keeping the games close. Uh, pretty impressive run for that group to go from the worst defensive team last year to the best in the regular season and they continued it on you know they they didn't give the top players really any space to to make plays and to have an impact and to get the goaltending they did from Leonard is a you know a great continuation of what's been a pretty amazing regular season for them this year and 
On the other front, man, you know, you you look at game one of that Columbus-Tampa series, and it was almost, oh, no, here we go again. Bobrovsky getting lit up early. He was on the verge of, you know, maybe had they got another one on him, uh, Torch might have been forced to make a move or pull him out of that game. Instead, they come charging back. And I agree with your assessment earlier. It wasn't close. Uh, I mean, they... They were manhandled by Columbus. Columbus was the better team in in the last three games. Their goaltender was much better. Vasilevsky, uh, I said to Brian Boucher, who was doing the uh, NBC broadcast uh, down in Boston, and I said, you know, what do you do if you're the Tampa goalie coach when, uh, you know, Vasilevsky was getting beat over his shoulder, was crouched down, making himself small, and he just never found a way to get comfortable in that series. So, uh, a real shock there and a, a difficult decision. You know, when you when your team has been that good and that consistent throughout the regular season, you, you almost have to, you know, take a moratorium of a week or so before you overreact and, uh, and do anything crazy. It, it's a hard one to digest for that uh, management group and coaching staff when you, when you lose a series like that. All right. I drew a bit of a comparable to back in 06 when you were on the Oilers coaching staff uh, in the previous half-hour segment. Yep. Um, I think you guys were committed to going to a place where Detroit wasn't prepared. Obviously, you got to have the better goaltending. And Columbus yep. had the better goaltending. You guys were... You were a better team. Like, we weren't big in analytics back in 2006. Let's face it. There wasn't a lot of that yeah. being done. But you guys in 03, 04, and again in 05, 06, were a better team than the one-loss records were indicated, five on five. But then you got the goalie, and that was the difference maker for you. But the other part of it for me is, as I recall, like guys like Morrow and Stales were challenging Shanahan, and he was the only guy that could play that. Like, you guys punished them a bit. You know what I mean? Like you, you, yeah, you, you drug the game in the alley, and you got the better goaltending at the end of the day. Yeah, and I, I think you you also go in a similarity to Columbus, where you know we made the playoffs the eighty first game of the year. They basically did it right at the end. Uh, you're playing tight games all the way through. You've you've been playing playoff hockey for the last month, two months of the season, and I think that's what. Yeah, John Cooper alluded to, yeah. you, you know, you can always, I remember Glenn Sather always saying, you know, when our team got a little bit lazy or didn't quite play at their high level and just expected to be able to flick the switch and change the game, and that doesn't always happen. And you got to be really worried about that and cognizant that that can creep into your game. And I, I thought that, you know, Tampa, when they needed it, whether it be with some injuries, that they missing some key guys, uh, or their key guys not able to change the game and change their game, uh, which is really what you have to do come playoff time. And nothing about the regular season uh, really transfers over into the playoffs. It's a completely different game. It's a completely different energy. Uh, the style becomes a different, uh, uh, you know, there's no time. There's no easy plays. There's always a finished check. You're always getting closed off quicker than you do in the regular season. And so good teams always have to adjust the way they play and play at a different level. And uh, clearly Columbus was able to manufacture that and stay with that and really grow with that as the series went along, much like we did against Detroit back then. And uh, Tampa just didn't have the answer. And if you you look at the body language of that last game, uh, you know, the desperation was wearing the the blue sweaters, not the white ones. And uh, 
Uh, that's that's a disturbing thing, I'm sure, for John Cooper and the and the Lightning. At what point, when you were on that Oilers coaching staff in '06, did you think we could win this series? Uh, I remember it as clear as day, and I felt it was the second period in Game Five yeah. in uh, in Detroit that uh, we were outplaying them at every turn, and you could sense the guys, the feel in your bench. It's the belief factor, and I think I told you before that. Craig had told the guys that we're going to beat them, but we have to beat them quickly. And uh, I really felt, you, you know, you almost, you get an energy vibe from your team. You get a buy-in and the belief that they really feel we're better than they are. We're playing harder than they are. We're winning the battles all over. And, uh, you know, I, I can remember the feeling on the bench during that second period where it's like we're we're coming and we believe that we can beat them now and you could see that in the columbus series in space that uh you know the the loose puck battles and all those little key um uh, one-on-one battles that you have to win and when five guys on the ice are winning all of those it carries on to the next line coming out and i I think it was really infectious for columbus much like it was for our group back then uh I'll tell a tale out of school here, Craig. The night that was a Saturday afternoon game in Detroit, and the night before, I'd taken the the Bears had won the second of back-to-back championships, and I had a a, a fairly prolific amount of uh, contra at uh, Sandy Nesbitt's place at the old overtime. So I took the guys there, and let's just say it was one of those nights that you got home at like seven in the morning type of thing. And, and, <laughs> okay. and I remember watching the game the next day with my wife, and I'm like. Chris Pronger is unbelievable. Like that was the bet to me. That was the best game, in the, you know, in that year that he was with you guys. And that's the best game I ever saw him play. Like he, he literally, you know, how they talked about playing the game in a rocking chair. He yeah. just every time he was on the ice, you guys dominated territorial play. So I just I remember how good he was. And then in Game Six, I had mentioned to the writers to Jonesy and, and, and Matheson that Hemsky was going to have a big night. It was 2 nothing. You guys were down in the third period, and they were beaking me. And then, lo and behold, Hemsky gets uh, the game-winning goal, and they're scrumming him after the game and just the look of their face after. Right? You know, and, and you can you can sense those yes. uh, situations. And I would draw a parallel from a, from a dominant performance standpoint. You look at the uh, playoffs so far. Now, it's not a sweep series. But to me, Nathan McKinnon yes. is in that same realm right now. I mean, if I'm Calgary, uh, yes, you have to worry about the entire group, but you have to find an answer to stop that. What, what he brings to that group and to that team, I mean, how can you not want to play harder and play better and join in and jump on the bandwagon when you're catwalk? not your captain, but you, one of your top players is playing at that elite level. And, you know, there are certain players that can drag people along and make make other teammates that have never lived this or never played that well get to another level. And uh, to me, if I'm the Calgary Flames, you know, you, you got to dissect a lot of things in your game that you have to improve. But to me, you have to stop that Colorado team from believing that, you know, McKinnon is the guy who can really take that team to another level. It's interesting with McKinnon, Craig, because two years ago, that team was the worst team in the NHL, 22 wins. McKinnon had, like, a terrible offensive. An off year. Yeah, he had a yeah. bad year. Um, do you think the fact that he's been in the playoffs a couple times, he knows, and I'm going to translate this into Jordan Everly. 
Is it different for you when you've been to a playoffs a second time in this day and age, when maybe you've come from a place where your team hasn't made the playoffs and finally gotten there and you've struggled a bit, you know, because, I mean, we're all happy for Jordan, but he's on a different level than he was with the Islanders and then that run in and he was not the reason why Edmonton lost. I mean, they had, right. they had no but second line scoring production, the series against Anaheim. So, well, I, I would say that, you know, it's like I've said numerous times about numerous players when we've talked about the Oilers and trying to get traction and trying to change when you've had an off year or what you have to do. Uh, I've always said uh, it, it takes the individual to realize the, you know, failures that you've had. And I've always said, you know, a step back and a, and a loss or a disappointment can do one of two things to a player. It, it can knock you further down the peg if you're not strong enough to understand and accept your failures that you had as a player and that you didn't do your job and that you didn't, you know, uh, excel when you needed it the most. And some guys can handle it and move on from it. Sometimes you do need, uh, you know, a change of venue and a change of group and a realization that it's, it's not everybody else's fault. I've always said, you know, you take that ownership, you can grow uh, huge, huge growth by accepting that and understanding what you didn't do well. And uh, that's the sign of, you know, maturity as a player and understanding. And sometimes it's not... You know, sometimes it's a team failure, even though you played hard or played well, you didn't do enough. And then the next time you're that much more prepared and that much more motivated. Uh, and other times it is your own failure that you have to find and dig yourself out of. And uh, I, I think that's the sign of good growth and maturity as a player to, to learn from that. And then the next opportunity you get, you're much better prepared. You're you're much more uh, intense about the things you have to do to, to, to get that success back. 11 minutes into our conversation with Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers, and we haven't talked about the Leafs in Boston. So let's get to it. That's the series you're working. we got to start with Nazem Kadri because he's a really good player. Uh, but that was brutal in terms yeah, of... Yeah, it was a... It was a it was a selfish play. It was a dumb play. It was, uh, you know, piling on to what had been a, you know, he and Jake had gotten into a number of altercations. But that that's what playoffs is all about. I think the greatest thing about getting into a series is, is realizing early on who you're going up against and who you're going to have to win those, the battle of will and, you know, take away that guy's will to win as, as quickly as you can and try to continually win that one-on-one battle. And, uh, you know, I, I just said to, to have done it two years in a row is, is just shocking. You know, there's the prime example of not learning from your past failures. Yeah. And uh, I don't know personally, I don't know him that well personally, but I, I know myself personally, I'd be having a hard time getting through the day knowing that you put your team in that situation yet again. Uh, but, Bob, the reality of this year compared to last, and it showed in game three, is that because of the changes, because of the additions, because of the which depth... We, which we talked about going yeah, into the series. And the growth is that they're much better suited to be able to handle it. Like last year, you had Dominic Moore and Thomas Placanitz having to play a bigger role, and they're not at the level that they were able to play. And here, you've got Matthews, who's a year older, a year stronger, a year wiser. You've got Tavares who can play that uh, significant minutes. And, and Nylander did a fine job uh, when he needed to, filling into that role. So uh, they are better suited. I, I think last game was a, 
a huge, uh, you know, collective confidence boost for that group to say we're okay and we can play without them and we can just go on. you you got to treat it like the guy's out with injury, which happens all the time, and it gives other guys an opportunity to grow and, and to be better, and at least for game one they were able to do that. The irony to me of the situation with Kadri is in game two he was the best Leaf. Like oh, he, he, was, he, he was on it, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where, you know, the, the fact that's what I said mentally for him, it's like how did I let myself get to that again? And And you go back on those quick, you know, split-second decision. Sure. But all he had to do, even if he just run him and took a bad interference call, yeah. you know, you wouldn't be in this situation. It's all about there was absolutely no need for the, you know, stick to the head, the cross-check there. I, I watched it again and again and look at the time you had. Even if you just get angry and absolutely run him and paste him into the board, you, you might have cost your team in that game, but you're not going to be out of the series. For a multiple-time offender, it's just an egregious yep. act on Kadri's part. Now, there's another factor. Yes, they've got Tavares and Muzzin. Muzzin has playoff experience, championship pedigree, uh, and he's, frankly, for me, Craig, supplied a little bit more physical impetus than I thought. Yep, for sure. But there's another factor in the Boston. Last year, for me, Pasternak and DeBrusque were the difference makers. And, you know, they, those guys were good for... I, I watched those guys the other night. Neither... Both guys were fighting the puck a bit, Craig. They yep. didn't They didn't seem... It, it To me, it looked like they're both... We, we know they were both hurt down the stretch. It looks like they're still nursing some injuries. Well, I, I think Pasternak uh, individually took over the series last year. I mean, in game by... By the time Game Three was on the board, they that line had 20 points. So, you know, Pasternak was the killer. He had 13 points in the series alone. Um, and you're right; they, the Leafs just didn't have an answer for that uh, top three. I, I would say the top line. Bruce Cassidy even said today he didn't feel they're getting enough pucks to the net. Uh, when you see them and at their best, you know they they make plays in their sleep. You know, without looking, crossing tape to tape. And I, I would say that they've had the bobble pass or pass in the feet instead of right on the tape it's been a little bit off and you know that might be the fact that they're getting checked harder and toronto's a better checking team this year than they were last yeah uh last year as well jake was a big influence you know he ended up with five goals in the series and uh, uh boston's gonna have to find a way to get their top guys going get a little bit of you know, production from someone other than the the Bergeron line, but I don't think there's any question that if you're expecting something here in Game Four, it's that the top line's got to be a heck of a lot better than they have been during this series. We got LMA coming up. You can envision where we're going to go with L. Uh, yep. Ovechkin and Svechnikov. Um, I, I don't want to use the word bleeding hearts because there's a lot of people with hurt hearts today in the province but uh i I got a couple chuckles about you know somebody saying you know if that happened uh on the street that would be assault no it's not not when there's a consensual agreement amongst men to go uh that's no one likes seeing a guy get hurt like that but that does happen sometimes doesn't it craig it does. I, I'm a guy that I, I'm okay to get fighting out of the game. I think when you see something like that, you know, it's going to take something like that and a guy dying to, to make yeah. change, unfortunately, but it shouldn't. Um, you know, I, I would say the, the choices you make on the ice are your own, and, you know, you don't have a situation like that unless both guys are, are in a position to say that they're both willing to go, and that was a bad decision by... Uh, you know, the young Carolina player, and it, it had a terrible consequence. So, 
the the reality is that's not you know trying to get back at that isn't going to try to win you a series. Uh, I was absolutely shocked at you know how little Washington had in Game Three. Right. That that's a this is a big game. You know, you look how tight that series could be. Uh, you know, you had an overtime goal in Game Two that gave Washington the two games at home, and you know this could be a different scenario had that not happened. So I'd be a little worried. I, I think Carolina's in that loose mode they've been playing good hockey they've been a frustrating team to play against all year and this is one of those games for washington after a real sleeper in game three that they better be serious about and come back and play a better hockey game from nhl hockey and rogers craig simpson bob Stoffer with you and winners now craig i did an event with gary bettman he doesn't like the word parody he likes the word competitive and balance <laughs> because of the okay. cap system are we seeing you know in these series how much competitive balance actually does exist in the NHL? Oh, the teams, the teams are so close. There's, there's no question. I think coming in, you try to handicap who could win, and I really, even though Tampa was as dominant as they were in the regular season, I, I still think I don't think anyone would have imagined a sweep or even losing in the first round. But yeah, that's that's the reality, and it is sort of the NBA model that Bettman brought into the NHL. It took him a while to get there with uh, the cap system and creating brackets for playoffs and all things like that. Uh, I, I do think that, uh, you know, you just look around the the league in the regular season, you get some surprising outcomes. And uh, I think that the teams are so close. You don't have, you know, your team starts to get good and starts to win. Just look at Chicago, just look at Pittsburgh. You know, it becomes that much more difficult to grow with that group because of the salary cap. So, I think the reality of the system that is in place is there to sort of put a governor on teams so that they can't get head and shoulders, you know, uh, above the rest because of the salary structure. And this is the end result is that you have a playoffs that are really competitive, but on any given night, it's, it's no real surprise that one team can beat another. Are you surprised at all that Todd McClellan ended up uh, securing himself a five-year deal, reported $5 million per season this quickly? Uh, no, not really. Uh, you know, I, I, w- I would have thought it would be an interesting uh, uh, to be a fly on the wall and listen to the interview to have a discussion about, okay, Todd, you know, what went wrong in, in Edmonton for you? Uh, it, you know, I, I think that's one of those discussions that I don't think any question that Todd's a good coach, but you go from the scenario that we've seen in San Jose for, for not just Todd, but a couple of coaches where, you know, good teams but not able to push to that next level to uh, to finally having an end of that in San Jose and then go to Edmonton where you, you know, make some progress and then have a, a step back in, in two years. So that, to me, would have been an interesting discussion and where that came from. But I, I think he's a good coach. And, you know, depending on – there aren't a lot of uh, – guys out there who have you know long tenure of, of some winning seasons and getting into the playoffs so there aren't a lot of options from the guys like Alain Vigneault who just took the Philly job and then Todd so I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised Bob but uh, I find it interesting anyways that uh, they were quick to jump. Based upon the Twitter response I got yesterday after I just uh, you know mentioned uh, what Todd was like here uh, the sense I get at Edmonton Craig 
is about 80% of the fan base believes the Oilers' failures started with management decisions and not so much in the coach. That's an interpretation I would have. Based yeah, I just, I'm more interested. That's a, that's a discussion point for fans and all. But when you're a coach yeah. that has to talk about what went wrong, right and what went wrong. You know, what, what you could you do did. differently. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's an interesting and much different conversation. Craig, I can honestly tell you, uh, the Stoffer household will be watching you and Jim tonight. So, uh, <laughs> okay. they are, uh, they we're cheering for two different teams, but that's a different story for a different time. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, this is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you. I want to mention the guests on the show received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow Sizzle to uh, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Meg and staff Oilers Now sent you. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Eileen Bell still to come, Al May, Washington Capitals television analyst, and we'll hear from Brad Lauer, head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.